Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Come on, let's magnify the Lord. Would you clap your hands and praise Him all over the building? For the Lord is good. Come on, He's done great things for us. Hallelujah. How many of you come to praise Him this morning? Amen, amen. Hallelujah. What a beautiful song. When I see shattered, He he sees whole. Amen. When I see dirty, He sees beautiful. How many of you have been cleansed and healed by the hand of God? Would you clap your hands and thank God for that? Praise the name of the Lord. I, uh, I want to say that I appreciate uh, the kind words, Brother, Brother Adam and Sister Jeannie and Brother Denver. Uh, it meant so much to me today. Thank you so much. Um, I feel encouraged. I've cried so much uh, today tears of appreciation and thank you for making my family feel welcome and valued and we are honored to be here thanks for loving us praise God and uh, I appreciate all the kind things you said about my wife and my children and I'm so thankful for them as well and uh, your first lady is an extremely hard worker all the time and she cares about people and we love her don't we To everyone watching online, we welcome you, and all of our guests in the building, we welcome you. And uh, we're going to read today from the book of 2 Kings chapter chapter 8. Let's get our Bibles out. Amen. Which maybe for some of you, that means some type of device. Let's get our Bibles out in the King James Version. And, um, you know, it's a great day to be in Ohio. It is. There's great things happening in Ohio. There really is. There's a tremendous harvest. There's prophecy um, about a fire that would come in Ohio and would spread across the country. And I believe that. I believe that. And uh, um, I can assure you there's nowhere in the world I'd rather be than right here right now. There's great things happening among us. Look at your neighbor and say, you are a part of the greatest harvest in the history of the church. Man, it's happening. Praise God. Um, I will, this is a two-part series that I'm continuing from last week. And so I will read a verse and uh, let, you, let you be seated. But it's in 2 Kings chapter 8. The context of this is, is the Shunammite woman is returning home after a seven-year famine. She hasn't been home in over seven years. And she comes to approach the king, but prior to approaching the king, just moments before, the king is speaking with Gehazi, who is Elisha's servant. And he said, tell me some of the miracles that Elisha has done. Oh, he said, let me tell you this one. There, there's the, a, a lady of, of Shunam, a Shunammite lady, that she had a son. And begin to tell the story of how he had died in the, in the lap of his mother after working in the field and said, my head, my head, and how he had died. And she had laid him up in the upper room, the chamber that she had made for Elisha. And he tells how Elisha went up there and 
laid nose to nose, eye to eye, ear to ear, and and when he prayed, God restored her son back to life. All of a sudden, while he is telling the story to the king, at that moment, the Shunammite woman is standing there to petition the king for her home. And Gehazi said, well, king, here she is, and right there's the son that God used the prophet to restore to life. And he said, what's your petition? And she said, I, I would like to go home. I would like my land back. I want to go back to my house. Everybody say, this is my house. Been there seven years. Famine, unforeseen circumstances, just what, what, uh, out of her hands, circumstances had pushed her away. But she said, I'm ready to go back. And when the, when the king heard a petition, he said this, verse 6. And when the king asked the woman, she told him, so the king appointed unto her a certain officer, saying, everybody say this word, restore. It is, if there could be a, a, a colorful theme to this, it, it would be the color of restore. And you look at this. You look at how many times it says restore in the chapter 8. But he said restore all, somebody shout all. Oh, say it like you mean it. Restore all. That was hers and all the fruits of the field since the day that she left. I want you to let her go home, Sister Rita. And not only do I want you to let her go home, but I want you to give her everything her land would have produced in the seven, seven years she's been gone. My wife taught us earlier this year in our Sunday night prayer meeting. She got up and told the church a revelation God had given her. And it was this. When God restores you, He's not going to take you back to the place where you were. He's going to make you stronger than you were. And I say today that God's restoration policy is not just starting over and giving another opportunity. It's going back to the day you left and giving you everything you'd have had if you'd have stayed. Oh, somebody ought to say amen. You can't beat this restoration policy. Can you say shout hallelujah? He said everything since she left the land, even under now. I would like to preach to you about the house she wanted to move back into. I'd like to preach on this house restores people. Would you shout that with pastor? This house restores people. Elbow somebody near you, probably already in your circle. But tell them, this house restores people. I know it's, I, I, I know we've already had praise and worship, but I just feel like there's a victory shout in this building right now. Would you clap your hands and shout hallelujah? Come on, if God's ever done anything for you, would you shout hallelujah? Amen. Amen. I was broken, but he put me together. I was dirty, but he cleansed me. Come on. He's the lifter of my head. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is everything. Somebody shout hallelujah. Amen. God bless you as you are seated. May I say to you today that certainly all of us have had to deal with with some type of circumstances in life. What I would like to term would be a famine. Some cases in your life, some of the things you've been through is because of your own decisions. But some of the things that you've been through were certainly out of your hand. I believe, and I've thought of this recently, and matter of fact, for some time, is, and I preached it a few weeks ago, 
that when God looks at an individual, he sees them from, from their birth until now. God understands that when someone makes decisions, that the decision they make today is not always based upon today. But the decision they based upon that they make today is based upon things that happened to them up until now. How many know if that's true? How many of you ever made some decisions in your life that you regretted? But you made those decisions because maybe something that happened as a child, something that happened in, in the years that happened before that made you not think clear, think right, maybe even to think from a bitter soul or an offended person and people that are bitter and offended never make right decisions. And when we make a decision, and that's why you can feel condemned by some and maybe even condemned by yourself because you will judge yourself sometimes according to the thing that you did now. And you come to church and God is merciful and God is gracious and you feel God and you feel so unworthy. Why would God let me feel his presence when I've done this, I've done this, and I've done this? Because God understands why you have done those things. Because something changed the trajectory of your life. But aren't you glad he didn't see you just for who you are, but he looked past all of those things and he sees who he wants you to become? Can you say amen? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Can you say amen? You know why I speak English? Because I was raised in, a, in, a, in an American uh, English-speaking family. I said it last week. You know why I speak Southern? Because we have a Southern accent. You know why you speak sin? Because you were raised in sin. You was raised in dysfunction. You were raised in maybe chaos and confusion. And that's why you've made the decisions that you've made. But when you came to God, he didn't judge you according to that. He said, just give it to me because I went to the cross to save people from their sin. I want you to know there's a new language in town. It's called righteousness. You can have blessing. Come on. You can have prosperity. You can have good things that happen to you. Old things are passed away. How many believe God can bless us even though we've had a past? And so when you begin to look at the restoration policy of God, and I will bring this from Joel as well. In Joel chapter 2, he makes this statement because they weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. Matter of fact, he says that the harvest was wasted. The blessing was wasted. Why? He said because joy had withered away. Everybody say joy had withered didn't appreciate what they had. Can I say to the anchor church today, we, we should never get to a place where we do not appreciate the salvation of God. I want to be joyful about God saving me. One of the problems being raised in the church, you don't appreciate it. People in the church thinking about leaving the church and people on the bar stool and people in the crack house are trying to find what you're trying to walk away from. Amen. Everything we've ever needed is in the house of God. Can you say Amen. The Bible said the joy had withered, and because of this, they lost it all. Judgment came in Joel chapter 2, verse 23, and how many realize that judgment does come to sin? He said, be glad, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. Joel 2 and 23, 
For he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. Who is this for? It's for people he's going to restore. Amen. He said, I'm going to give you the former years, and I'm going to give you the latter years. I'm going to give you the former rain. I'm going to give you the latter rain. Look at verse 24. And the floors shall be full of wheat. And the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. I just need a witness from somebody that God's been better to you than you deserve. Come on. When I look over my life, he's been better to me than I've ever deserved one day. He gave me what I should have never received, and that's called the grace of God. Look at your neighbor and say, I am loaded with grace. Let's move on. Let's look what it says. And he said, it's going to overflow. I wish somebody shout, there's an overflow here. Amen. I will, and I will, what? Shout it like you mean it. And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm. I don't even know what that is. It sounds bad. My great army which I sent among you. If you sin, judgment's coming. He's talking to the church. He's talking to transgressors. He's talking about people that knew better. So you have to understand, they had salvation and they lost the joy of it and went on and started doing other things and he brought judgment. He said, I brought an army of locusts. I, I brought the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm. It ate up everything that you were trying to have prospering in your life. It's, I, it was me that sent the judgment. That's what it says. Why? To get your attention. But he said this in the midst of this. He's telling them what had happened to them and he said, verse 26, and ye shall eat in plenty. I know that judgment had, had come to you. Your sins had, had caused you to lose it all. He said, but I have a former rain coming. I've got a latter rain that is coming, and you're going to eat in plenty. There's going to be an overflow. Are you ready? Look at the next statement. And you're going to be satisfied. Who'd ever thought that you could have lived the life you lived, return to the Lord, and then come in here and know that your heart has been made complete, your heart has been made full? Hey, I know what I'm preaching right now. This is the restoration policy of God. He said, I'm going to make all things new. He said, and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath, dwelt, hath dealt wondrously with you. And he said, my people shall never be ashamed. How? Because I'm going to bless you so much in your repentance. I'm going to bless you so much in your restoration. It's going to be as if there was never a mark against you, as if you never walked away from me. And when people see you, they're going to see my hand upon your life. I come to tell you Jesus is in the restoring business, and I come to tell you the anchor church is in the restoring business. Oh, clap your hands, all you people, and shout, God has restored I want everybody to jump to your feet and clap your hands and shout, God has restored me. Do you believe in this? Who are we? What are we doing as a body? I pick up saying that, that God's restoration policy is making you better than you were. When you look at what I was preaching last week, I was preaching about 
the woman of Shunem or the Shunammite woman. The Bible calls her in 2 Kings chapter 8, the Bible calls her a great woman. A great woman. Someone is labeled great. I don't know her first name. I don't know her last name. There's, there's a, little, a few things that I know about her. And uh, one of the things that I find out about her is the Bible does certainly say she's great and that she's from Shunem. And uh, she, she, just to reiterate a few points from last Sunday, she looks at her husband one day and she said, you know, uh, I'd love to have a baby and you're old. We're sort of running out of time here. And, um, but we have a man of God that comes by and we, I perceive that he's a mighty man of God. And uh, we need somebody in our life that can touch heaven for us. How I many know we need prayer warriors in our life? Let, let, me, let me say that Elisha represents more than a prophet. His name meant Jehovah brings salvation. And let me reiterate this, that what she was saying is we need a miracle and we need, we need, we need salvation in our house. We need God in our house. He was just a representative of God. No man is God, anywhere near God, but he's a representative. How many know the church is the representative to the community of God? You're kings and priests unto God. Can you say amen? And so we are that certainly as fathers and mothers to our own children. We are the representatives of God to them. But we need, and what she was saying is, she said he stops by occasionally, but you know what we need to do? We need to add on to our house somewhere in there that will be a place that is reserved for him. Can I ask you today, do you have a place in your life that's reserved for the things of God? How about Sundays or maybe Saturday evening now, but is it reserved for God? Why are we even here? Well, my family goes there. I've got friends there, you know. And uh, I, I go there for that. No, 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 no. We're, we're not here because of family and friends. That, that's a benefit and it's a plus and it's great and should be. But I'm not here for that. That is my place with God. It, it's, 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 I, I've got involved in it. And she told her husband, she said, let's, let's build us a place and, and uh, a place for the man of God. And so they got the hammer out and he got some nails out, some lumber, and they built what was called a chamber, which when you just look at the root of that word and what it actually means, it means an upper room. Does that mean anything to any of you Pentecostals? She, well, she was saying, let's put an upper room in our house. She wasn't talking about just a loft. Amen. She's talking about a place where God can minister in her family. Can I say to every father and every mother, you need a place in your life where God can do what no man can do for you. I'm going to tell you why I go to church because there's been moments in my life nobody had the answer but him. But I had a place I could go to and call upon the name of the Lord. How many are glad you have a God that has a name and his name is Jesus and when you call upon his name, something happens. That song says something happens when you call your name. And she was saying to her husband, we're running out of time. We need to put a place in our life where a miracle can happen. The song, the psalm says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. You just can't show up. You've got to learn that the house.
house of God is where the presence of God is. Not just coming in, but coming in with expectation. Something's going to happen when I get to the house of God. Amen. Somebody can be healed. Somebody could be delivered. Somebody could be set free. I need an answer. I'm going to the house. I need a miracle. I'm going to the house. Honey, we need a word. Let's go to the house. Let's build a place in our life where God can speak to us. Let's go there. Let's get involved. They did. They self-invested into this chamber. And it was a place that, that they put into. And they put blood, sweat, and tears. Aren't you thankful for all the people over the years and 78 years have put into the anchor? All the elders and all the time and all the foundations dug and all the work done to this. You know why people show up on work day and people have given a God's house offering and put in offerings and help things. And you look over here, Brother Ryan Duvall has been putting stone on this and even self-invested into this. And he's down here working on his, day, on his days off. And what's he doing? He's building, he's, he's investing in the house. He's investing in a place where his wife and his children can get a word from the Lord. Amen. What I'm saying is that's what we all do. This church is so invested in this building. Brother Nutter put over 500 hours into this building building working on this project you know why he was working on this because he's got some children he's got some grandbabies that need a place that they can go to to see God move in their life I feel like preaching to you maybe you're fat and sassy and sanctified and satisfied but there's been some of you that said I need something from God I need a breakthrough in my life we've got to have a miracle we've got to have something to happen I'm talking about becoming desperate Somebody shout desperate. She was desperate. I don't want to ever lose the desperation for the presence of God in my life. I feel the urgency of some of you in this building. When you look at this woman, excuse my fervency this morning, but I'm going to preach, amen, like I haven't preached in about six weeks. I'm going to tell you what I feel. I feel the urgency in this building. The church ought to be a place of urgency. It ought to be a place of fervency. The Shunammite woman, she is a type of the church. She's a type of the church. She really is. She had, she had faith. She, she, she had greatness about her. She had transparency about her. And she was desperate to see a miracle birth. I'm going to tell you what should never happen in the anchor is we have empty baptismal tanks and no one cares. Empty altars and no one cares. Barren wombs and no one cares. No one repenting. No one responding. And we're just ho-hum and satisfied. Just come in and out and forget the reason that the chamber was built. This chamber was built for a birthing center for miracle babies. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing that Sarah was barren but, but producing Isaac? Rebecca was barren. Oh, yeah. But she produced a Jacob. Rachel was barren, but she produced a Joseph. And every one of them were desperate to have a child. And they represent the mother of the, or the bride of Christ or the church. And I'm going to tell you, there should never be a moment that we, as a body of Christ, the Eve of Adam, the church of Jesus Christ, 
who is saved out of childbearing should ever be content with people not being saved. But she said, if the womb seems barren and time seems to be of essence, you know what we need to do? We need to invest in a house that can have miracles. And I'm not talking about financial investment. I'm talking about fervency. Is there anybody in this room that says, I want my children to be saved. I want my neighbor to be saved. I want Zanesville to be saved. I want somebody... Hallelujah. Everybody shout, a great woman. Everybody shout, a great church. I remember years ago, I got desperate. 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 To see souls saved. I get up at 445 in the morning. I come to this church. I remember times that even our assistant pastor would, I'd pick him up before school in the morning, he'd come pray. But I remember right here one time. I was praying. I thunder pray. Can I tell you, I, I, don't, uh, I don't pray with my preacher voice. I actually preach with my praying voice. No difference in my praying voice than my preaching voice. And I was right here somewhere in this area. Oh, God, people are dying in the house. Oh, God. Lord, there's, there's, there's young people that have been wounded, wounded and abused in the absence of a father. And they're getting on school buses this morning while I'm praying. And they're looking for love and it's going to end up in immorality. God, but let the anchor be a place where they can be forgiven from their sexual sin and Find healing from the brokenness and be restored with divine purpose, oh God. Lord, let them come here. We won't judge them if they have babies out of wedlock. Lord, we believe in forgiveness for them. God, they might have been through divorces because of the distrust from the past, but when they come here, oh God, we won't judge them because they've been divorced if they've had abortions because that's just what has been taught them when they come here. Lord, we know you can forgive them because you went to the cross for sinners, not just to forgive them, but to restore them so they can find their purpose that you've created, created them for. I come to tell you, God doesn't just want to forgive you. He wants you to fulfill your divine purpose that he made you for. The devil tried to kill you, but God's going to raise you up. I said, God's going to raise you up. And that's what this woman had about her. She had this fervency about her. Can y'all feel what I feel when I'm up here all by myself? Jump up on your feet and shout, this church restores people. Come on, shout, this church restores people. Do you believe it? That's what we do. I preach it almost every week because that's who we are. She had a tenacity about her. You can be seated. Honey, let's get that chamber built. Let's get it done. Honey, I don't think you're working fast enough. You're getting older, and I'm not younger. We got to get this built. I, I wish the church will never lose the fervency. I want to see another baby born in the church. I think we've had number nine actual baby born Saturday or Sunday. Brother Mark and Sister Santana. 
I think that's number nine for 2020. That's increased in the land of uncertainty right there. Sister Lauren, a couple weeks in January, we'll look at about 11 babies being born in a year's time. That's a lot of babies. That's not what I'm preaching about. They said we had 20. Didn't you love that children's video? He's got 20 kids. One of them said he sleeps in and preaches. One of them said he plays video games all day. Man, I enjoyed that. Can I say one thing about this house? This house would welcome children. I don't know if I'm going to finish all this. I've been preaching about 24 minutes. But what I will tell you this right now is this church, this house is a multi-generational church. Everybody has a place. No matter how young and no matter how older. Watch. Honey, I think I got the last of the wood up. Come and tell me what you think. Oh, oh yes. I, I like, honey, I like how you did this. The bed. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's get, get one of the, somebody help us. Let's, let's get the furniture up there. Let's get it all placed. And I don't know where she got the bed sheets and comforters and pillows. And she got it all ready. Man, of God stops by. He goes up there, and I said it last week, but he's up there after a full belly, looks down, and he says, Gehazi, go ask her what she's up to. Brother Schultz, Gehazi walks downstairs, and she's sitting there. Boy, she's just waiting. She's anxious. She knew what she's up to. You've been fasting for three days, and God said, what are you up to? And you said, I want to win a soul. You've been waking up before work every morning praying. What do you want? I want to win somebody to God. I'm tired of being fruitless in my ministry. Tired of living a life without purpose. I want something to be here when I leave. I want to look over my shoulder and never did anything for God and never made a difference in anybody. She said, you, you tell him that I want a baby. My husband's old. I think I already said that. But He goes there and says, she says she wants a baby. He said, you go tell him she's going to have a baby. She responds to Gaze. I tell the man of God, you go tell him I'm not playing games. I'm serious about this. Don't be lying to me just to make me feel good. He said, you go tell her as the Lord lives, she's going to have a baby. Guess what? She had a baby. I'm going to tell this church, there's a bunch of babies going to be born in your ministry. Hey, it only might, I, I, I believe it means a lot to people. But you're not coming here for nothing to happen. For with God, nothing is impossible. God has moved you so you can have prosperity in your ministry, not just in your pocket. He wants you to make a difference. Watch, 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 watch. It, 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 it even gets better. And, and so the boy is raised. And I, I, I've always, here he's six years old or whatever. He's out in the field and. He's working with his dad. My head. My head. My head. And uh, I wish Finn was here. I carried him this morning. And, and the dad sees him. He told, told a young man, said, won't you, won't you take him to his mother? Father understands that when people are hurting, there's a church and there's a house that knows what to do with hurting people. Amen. Always remember. I always remember, it's the father that adds to the church. You're the servant that carries them. 
but it's the father that sends the servant to where the answer is. Let's stay there for a minute. But I brought him to church. No, the Bible says the Lord added to the church. One of the things that we do is the Bible says a man went down to Jericho. He fell among thieves. He was wounded. He was beaten. Left. He was left half dead. Wasn't he? But a good Samaritan went up to him. Put him on the beast and carried him to the inn and said, take care of him. The good Samaritan representing the Lord. He knew where to send them. Listen to me. We have to be a people that God can trust with wounded people. He said, and whatever he costs you, I will repay when I return. It's going to cost you time restoring people. It's going to cost you emotion restoring people. You're going to deal with broken people. You're going to deal with emotional people. You're going to deal with distrusting people. You're going to deal with people that know how to deceive because that was part of their to hear so they could survive. You have to understand not to take it personal because people are hurting. But God understands you will not make this about you, but you're going to make it about him. But God said, I know where you can send the hurting People that have problems in their body. People that have problems in their mind. I believe that Anchor Church can be a place that can not just be a place of physical healing, but can be a place of mental healing, can be a place certainly of spiritual healing. Are y'all with me right now? Brother Nutter, and I'm not talking about just in Zanesville. I believe that Anchor Church is a church in multiple locations. But why don't we have a place like we are in Coshocton where broken people can come and be healed? Long story short, be seated. The lad carries him to the mother. You know what the mother does? She embraces him. A church has to understand in the house. It's not just a house. But the church is a place where the mother embraces hurting people. Can I preach a little while longer? Y'all with me for a little bit? She sits him on her lap. And he dies in the house. He dies, Brother Zion, in the arms of the mother. I can't tell you how many people I've held in my arms in the church, and they died spiritually. I was doing everything I can, praying, fasting, going in the name of God. I talked to them, they, they wouldn't listen. I watched them spiritually die. Not out of the church. The only thing I could do was pick them up. Pick them up. Man, I'm, I thought about picking you up, but I don't know if I should. Pick them up. Pick them up. Pick them up. Somebody's got to pick them up. We need picked up. Sometimes we need uplifted. Sometimes we're discouraged. The church, he said, ye who are spiritual, restore such a one, considering yourself. When you see your brother down, don't pick him, pick him up. Somebody shall pick him up. They got alcohol in their tongue because they died spiritually, but pick him up. They got a little dope in their veins. They got, they, got, they got some mistakes they've made. They've done some things wrong, but pick him up. 
I don't want to ever say. I don't want to ever say, well, I wash my hands of them. Come on, that's a common statement among a lot of people that I've heard all my life. Just, well, you know, I'm done. No, we can't. Maybe they're making bad decisions because they're dead spiritually. But she said, the only thing I know to do is I'm going to pick him up. And she walks up those steps to that chamber where it was prophesied he was going to be born. And she lays that boy down in that bed with blue lips and coloration change in the skin because of the lack of oxygen. She knows the Bible says he's dead. Only thing I know is to place him in the house where God said he's going to live. I could quit. I could stop. I could give up. I could question God. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go get the man of God. I'm going to go get salvation in the house. Somebody shout salvation in the house. Elisha means Jehovah brings salvation. And she goes and gets him. When he comes in, he lays upon that child. Come here, Sawyer, lay down. I can't carry you, but amen. Get on up here. That's a good boy right there. Proud of my son. Amen. Elisha gets up there. He lays nose to nose, mouth to mouth, eye to eye, hand to hand, foot to foot. He lays on him and he prays. And guess what? God did it. God resurrected the boy. It's not a little bit later. Mama's downstairs. Here comes the prophet and said, Mom, I just want you to know he's, he's okay. Look at him. He's alive. Everything's going to be all right. Can I tell you, he represents the backsliders. It doesn't matter how long they've been dead. It doesn't matter how long they've been lifeless. I read in my Bible where Lazarus was dead for four days, but God resurrected him. Don't you give up on dead people. Don't you give up on backslidden people. I don't care. She represents the church. She represents the intercessor. She represents the ministry. She represents the heart of the church, the hands of the church, the ministry, the passion, the purpose of the church. She went to the man of God. I'm talking about you. We got to pray. But she understood this. If she did a miracle, place him in the place that's been separated from everything else in her life. You know what it is? The house of God. Can I ask everybody right now? You got devices that have every single thing. You can record almost every detail about yourself on that. Where you're going to go, where you're going to be. I was out of town one time. It showed me some, some, something near the town that I was in and gave me some advertisement where I was at that moment down the street. It knows everything about us. But can I say on that calendar there, is there any place that's blocked for God? Is there any place on your calendar that's separate? Come on, Sunday and Saturday, we ought to block that and say that's where I go getting miracles. That's where I'm going to the house. I'm going to the house that restores people. Somebody say amen. You can be seated. Oh, the boy's resurrected. It's amazing. And I go back to my text. She's been out now of that house for over seven years, and she's requesting it back. She looks at the king, and after Gehazi's telling that story that I just told you, it's an awesome story, isn't it? Everybody shout, I love this house. I do. I love this house. I, I mean, I love the physical building. I, I do. I love it. 1365 Chamberlain Street. It's an amazing place. She goes to the king. She said, I want to go home. Famine's over. How many believe the famine can be over? 
Look at your neighbor and say, it shall come to pass. I believe COVID-19 will be over. Seven weeks of no church, that's a famine. Probably word of the year in the church is disconnected. Not at the same service with everybody you used to be in. You've got the seats spread out, the service spread out. Our team's working double time. We're not working less, we're working more, so you can be safe. That's right. Four services on a weekend. Instead of one service on Sunday morning, we have three. Why? To be safe. Wearing masks. No touch points on the way in, out, senior section. To be safe. It's, 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 a, it's a level of famine. But listen to the pastor. Are you ready? The famine will be over. It'll be over. And she said, King, I want to go home. I want my house back. And it's restore, restore, restore. Just go read the chapter later. Restore, restore, restore. I want to go back to the house. I do not believe she just want to go back to the house because, you know, there, 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 was this, there was a nice landscape. And, you know, she liked those pretty yellow curtains in the window. And she, she liked the sunset, the way to come over the over the western sky, over the corner of the hill. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I believe she wanted to go there because there's some things that happened in that house that couldn't happen anywhere else. That's where supernatural things happen. Can I tell you that's why I love this house? Because this is where supernatural things happen. How many of you have ever been healed? How many of you have ever been born again? Amen. You had your sins washed away. There's something about the house of God. It's where we're born. Somebody shout, it's where we're born born again talking to the church it's also a place where born again people die and get restored back to life I believe she loved this house because that's the story that's being told at the king's palace is that of all the stories we can tell about Elisha the one I'm choosing to tell you king is the one I saw with my own eyes it wasn't the baby being born it was the baby being born back to Christ. See, the devil does every single thing he can to destroy you, but God is reaching with arms of mercy to restore you. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, the devil tried to destroy you, but God's going to restore you. Can I get a witness? Now I realize about this moment, that Crocker Barrel is hanging on half of your mind. Yeah. Thank you. That's permission to skip Crocker Barrel and Sunday chicken. <laughs> Texas Roadhouse is calling my name. But before I really, really get into this deep, I got a little time to preach. Because the greatest of the stories that appears to Gehazi is the restoration of a son that had died and then brought back to life. She said, the reason I want to go home to that house because that house restored my son. It Ready? That house restored my family. And the king said, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm not, only, I'm not only just going to let you get back in the house, but I'm going to let you have every single thing that house and land would have produced for the last seven years while you were gone. 
what it would have been if it had always been there. Come on. I'm talking about what the king says. The king says, not only are you going to get a, just go back and clean the dusty cupboards out. He said, when you get back, I've got an officer that has sent to overflow you with blessing of seven years of increase, seven years of blessing. Come on. Do you believe you can be overtaken? I'm not talking about just a community gathering of some membership of a congregation. No, I'm preaching through the body of Christ. He said, I'm going to prosper you beyond what you deserve. I'm going to give you more than you've ever imagined. It's going to be better than you've ever imagined. And so today with examples, and it's Pastor's Appreciation Month, and thank you for honoring us. I do not take it lightly. But the examples that I use today, I use today because it's Pastor's. His name was John Castle. His wife is Kim Castle. When I met John, it was under a tent down at the Y Bridge, and John was bitter and broken and lost. Kim was bitter. She was broken and lost. They'd had a famine in each of their lands and each of their life. That It was out of their circumstance, and many of you might not know, but John's wife died at age 30. Following that, his house burnt down. Crisis after crisis, and bitterness set in, and disappointed by leadership at moments, and when I met him, one of the first things he said, and I knew him through Stephanie, and uh, Stephanie brought him to the Wild Bridge because he was never going to go to an apostolic church. Matter of fact, when I met John with his bright red hair down to the Wild Bridge where we had a, a block party, John told me, he said, well, I just want you to know I will never step foot in the United Pentecostal Church. But he got too close to under the tent and forgot that the church wasn't just on 1365 Chamberlain Street. Amen. <laughs> See, he was bitter. We make some decisions out of bitterness because broken people also have broken emotions. And remember, God doesn't judge a man according to the now moment. He looks at what happened from here all the way to now. The famine that was in the life. And I'll never forget, even, even Sister Kim was bitter. She was broken. They were both lost. That following Wednesday, I looked and here John Castle was sitting in the seat and he came into the house that restores people. It's not just the house of saints. There is the presence of God. Brother Adam talked to us about today. There is something here that's beyond a man. Come on, I'm not perfect in all my ways. I'm going to make mistakes as a pastor, but we can never question the presence of God that's in the building. He's the one. He's the restorer of my soul. Oh, yes, and now God didn't only forgive them. He healed them. He restored them. And I'm glad to tell you they are now pastoring the anchor of Woodsfield. Amen. Down on the southeastern part of Ohio because God restores people. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. His son calls him, his son calls him Benny Dale when he makes a good golf shot. Isn't that right, Brother Anthony? Jump up, Brother Anthony. I love you, Mercedes. We're so glad that God healed Vivian. I love you. I'm excited about December 6th. Amen. They're going to have their first service, launch service. Give God a hand clap. We're believing for Pickerington. Brother Benny, Benny Nutter was beating our socks off in golf, me and Cody. And every time he made a good shot, Anthony said, 
Way to go, Benny Dale. Brother and sister Nutter had a famine in their life decades ago. He was raised in Coshocton. A famine came to the area. Brother Nutter never walked away from God. He remained faithful. United Pentecostal preacher, but it seemed like ministry was put on a shelf for a period of time. Why? Because sometimes famines come to great people. She was a great woman. She had a famine. He served in every department hundreds of hours and he and his wife Tracy and whether it was running video cameras or singing or leading or whatever and he got an amazing voice. I watched God use him, walk right work right beside me. I've learned discipleship isn't something you can do from a pulpit. You've got to do it right with people. I mean, no, it's true. And he walked right with me, shocked in, as I was pastoring there, but... I'll watch God do this in him. He's already, he was already uh, forgive, you know, forgiven as we all are. He's already uh, uh, healed. And, but I'll watch God restore something. He's a faithful man. But I'll watch God restore ministry into he and his wife. It was almost as if God was saying, Brother Nutter, I'm not just after the famine going to let you go home to Kashak. I'm going to go back seven years. I'm going to go back pre-famine. And I'm going to let happen what could have always happened. I'm going to let you be the pastor. I'm glad to tell you, brother and sister Nutter are now the pastor of the Anchor Church of Coshocton because God is in the restoring business. Famines are sometimes out of our hands, Brother Castle. But you know what? Famines are going to go away, but restoration is on the way. I want somebody to jump your feet and shout, restoration is on the way to my family. <laughs> Hallelujah. Brother Derek, come and help me on the organ for a minute. Restoration is on the way to my family. Somebody shout, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you believe? Just remain standing. Failure is not final. Famine is not forever. Whoa, the devil, look at your neighbor and say, the devil's been lying to you. It's not over till it's over. I know it looks gloom and doom, but there's a great woman, and she's got a great God. And she said, I know how to get a hold of him. And you know what? Uh, dead things are going to come alive. Some of you have been numbing your emotions. But I feel like God's going to restore passion to your soul. Passion to your heart. Passion. He's going to let you have passion in your marriage. Passion as a parent. Come on. But he needs you to let him restore you. Somebody shout yes. Come on, shout yes. Do you believe God can let there be restoration in your life? She said, I want to go home. That's where, that's where lives are restored. That's where, can I, I, can, I, can I say it again? And I'm right and everybody else is wrong on this subject because I have the microphone. When you mess up, you don't run from God. You run to him. When he died... She didn't run away from the chamber. She ran into the chamber. I come to tell you, if you fail God, don't run from the church. You need to run to the church. Come on, I can't make it without the church. I can't make it without the chamber. 
You see, the great woman, the church, understands that prophecy never dies. The boy might have died spiritually, but prophecy's on him. There's a call of God on his life. There's a call of God on her. There's some of you, you know you have a call of God on you, but somewhere you died spiritually, but thank God you're in the house. I said, thank God you're in the house. Miracles happen in the house. Somebody shout in the house. Everybody shout, this is my house. A house that restores people. His name was Tony Richard. 22 years backslid. Faith so far from his mind. But the Bible says, though a tree be cut down through the scent of water, it shall, somebody shout, it shall. Come on, help the preacher preach. It shall live again. I said, though it be cut down, it shall live again. Amazingly, Brother Gladman, the Bible says through the scent of water, not even the water, but just the water's on the way. How many's ever smelt the rain before the rain came? You know what was coming to Crooksville was going to be the, not just the latter rain, it was going to be the pre-famine rain. The former and the latter rain, and at the scent of us talking about it. Tony Richard, 22 years, United Pentecostal Church preacher son, raised up out of his bed on the same Sunday morning we were launching Crooksville. Raised up out of his bed, and he said, I'm going to the altar today. That's no accident. That's no accident. Three years later, I didn't know who the next guy was going to be. I was just, the Lord sent me there to plant that church, and, and he was on the team. He'd wear coveralls and minister to the kids in the basement and with the Sunday school department. And about three years later, I was praying. I said, God, who's the next man? The Lord brought him to my attention. I went to him. I said, Brother Tony, do you have a burden for Crooksville? He started crying. Yes. I am convinced that the famine that was there years ago, his dad had even talked about the ministry and the greatness of Crooksville. I am convinced that pre-famine, God always had Tony Richard in mind to be the pastor in that town. And the only thing I was doing as his pastor in this church, I was just a liaison. I was a repairer of the breach. I just stepped in and linked two hands together. I was able through the atmosphere of the house so that it repairs people to put the, the, the hand of Brother Tony Richard into the hand of God's divine purpose. And now he's pastor of the Anchor Church in, in Crooksville. You know why? Because the Lord restores people not just out of sin but to their purpose. Come on, do you believe that? You see... The atmosphere is determined by the faith of the people. Do you believe God can restore anybody? Is there anything too great for God? Come on, shout hallelujah with everything you've got. His name is Nehemiah Gators. Seeking truth. The oneness of God, the name of Jesus. But down in McConnellsville years ago, he had dysfunction in his life. No wonder people do what they do. Dysfunction. Quit judging people by what they're doing and understand if you were, wore their shoes and grew up in their house, you'd probably do the same thing. 
That's one reason I can go to a county jail and be effective in ministry. Because I understand that if it hadn't been for the Lord, been for my parents and the church, I'd need somebody coming to preaching to me in there. And I'd hope somebody would come to preach to me if I didn't know how I got there. But could tell me how to get out. And Brother Nehemiah ended up in a jail in McConnellsville. But what the devil meant for bad, Devil, if you only knew. Because, devil, you think you're going to stay in the jailhouse. You think you're going to stay in that lifestyle of drugs. But, devil, I've got a plan for his life. And he's coming back to this city with vengeance. He's coming back to this city with the gospel. He's coming back to the city with the key of David. That's going to unlock a region for great apostolic revival. We don't care how many tattoos you have. We don't care what dope houses you've been in and out of. All we care is the Father sees greatness ahead of you. And there's enough blood to wash it all away. Somebody shout it, yeah! I don't care how many needles have been in your arm. I don't care how much dope's been in your blood. How many 40 ounces of alcohol you've drank. How many OC40s you popped. It doesn't matter when the blood of Jesus gets a hold of you. He's going to wash you clean. He's going to make you a whole. Somebody shout it, yes. Shout it, yes. When I was growing up, they would sing a song like this. What kind of church is this? It's a sanctified church. Kind of church is this? Sanctified. What kind of church is this? Sanctified. Well, it's a hand. Foot stomping. Tongue talking. Pentecostal apostolic church. I said we're a sanctified people. That means we've been made clean. Come on, have you ever been washed clean? How many of you were dirty but the Lord cleaned you up? I said we're a sanctified church. Now he's a powerful preacher, the anchor of McConnellsville. Our associate pastor, he and his wonderful wife, Wendy. It's phenomenal what's going on there because this church restores people. Who's next? Who else is God going to send to the hospital of the anchor and get restored? His name was Jason Huckabee. He travels the country. I know I'm longer than I usually am. But listen, I'm sort of feeling good right now. And you are too, and you know it. Amen. His name's Jason Huckabee. Jason and Nat. Tremendous friends. Moment in my life. Went out of TIA because a blood clot broke off, went to my brain. Caused me to be numb on the right side of my body for 13 hours. Had memory loss and it's hard to find words, days, and conversations. Having to be preaching for us that weekend. We felt like it was the will of God for him to stay. He stayed about four months with us. 
But he would tell you because there had been a famine in his life just prior to that. One of the most godly families you ever meet. But they were broken because of a famine that they didn't see coming. It was out of their hands. It took about everything that they had. Emotionally, spiritually. But he tells people all over the country and he tells me about every time he sees me. He said, Aaron, when we came to the anchor, God healed us and restored us. He's a national, sought-after preacher, one of the greatest preachers in our movement. His Nat, his wife, one of the tremendous speaker and godly lady. But they, they are now leading the church in Blue Springs, Missouri, Kansas City area, pastoring there. Why? Because it was just to stop by a visit. There was an atmosphere that restored a preacher. It was just a drop by visit. It restored, and there's greatness coming. I'm speaking to you. Please understand we're people, we're not perfect. We've tried to be as safe, we try to do things right. Doesn't mean we're going to do it all right. But I'm going to tell you one thing there's going to be a move of God at every service that can restore everybody if you'll let Him. But he's waiting on you. He's a restorer. There's broken people God is sending and healing and moving. I say to this congregation in your intercession as the great woman. Who's next? Who's the next missionary going to be healed and sent? Who's the next drug addict that is going to come in and be a Sunday school teacher? Who's the next person that come on everybody in the building you're here God's wanting to do something God I tell you the Holy Ghost God is not done with you you messed up the God is perfect he's reaching for you right now if you need restored run to this altar come on don't wait on anybody else you need some restoration in your life run run go ahead go ahead is anybody else come on you need some restoration run to this altar there's many people in this room that God didn't send you here just to save you or forgive you. He wants to restore you. Come on, that's it. There's more. There's a dozen people here that God is reaching for. I promise you, you don't have to leave here the way you came in Jesus' name. He's not just going to forgive. He's going to heal. He's not just going to heal. He's going to go pre-famine on you. He's going to give back what was lost. Come on, that's it. <laughs> I need some intercessors. I need a great woman altar worker. I need some preachers every... Every elder, every preacher, come up here with pastor. Come on, we need a miracle. We need healing. Ah, God, you specialize in restoration. You go ahead, the Lord's going to meet you. Go ahead, there's there's many more. Say, Brother Anthony, come and help us. We have some hand sanitizer on the altar if you can use that before you lay hands if you would. Come on, over the building. God wants to give you joy back. He said, restore to me the joy of thy salvation.
Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.